All right, well, today is the second week in a series we're calling uh, Why Do We Blank? Why Do We um, Blank? And so every week for the next few weeks in the month of January, we're actually going to fill in something new in that blank and talk about why we actually do some of the things that we do as a church and as the people of God. Last week, we talked about uh, studying Scripture and why do we study Scripture, right? And today... um, we're going to continue in that series and talk about something that we do as a church every single Sunday, every time we gather as a church in this large gathering, uh, and, and probably every service that we have. It could even be a baptism service, even not on a Sunday, but it may be on a Saturday. Um, there's something that we do every time we gather, and it's this thing called singing. And today we're going to learn about why. Because I think we, we come together and we maybe participate, we do it, or we just choose not to. But we have no a real understanding of why we actually do it. Why do we sing? Why do we sing? You know, almost every church you go to, um, probably every church that you go to, whether you, know, you grew up in a different church or you visit a church around the world, they're going to always have this portion of their service called singing. And, you know, most churches, they probably do it in the beginning of the service. We like to kind of bookmark our services and have a time of singing in the beginning portion of our service and then also kind of finish off and, and close our service with singing. Um, and it's this time we call praise and, and worship. And so if this is something that's actually not new to our church. It's, it's being done all around the world in every church since the beginning of of the church. Since the beginning of time, there's this thing called singing that's part of every church culture and every church activity. And so no matter how creative, you know, we find churches to be, you know, especially in our day, maybe in a, a big city like Chicago, you're going to find a lot of churches trying to be different, trying to be unique, and trying to have their own thing. And, uh, and, but what you're going to find in every church is no matter how creative you get, how unique you try to be, one thing that you're not going to find is the taking out of singing. The taking out of praise. And the reason for that is we don't sing to be different. We don't sing to uh, make things fun in the church, per se. But we sing because it's actually part of who we are as a people. It actually defines us. And we've been given this amazing gift to sing um, together. What I find fascinating, though, before we go on and even to uh, talk about why we sing as a church and why we sing uh, to the Lord, what I find so interesting, and I don't know if you guys ever put some thought into this, is, but I, I was thinking about, man, it's just so fascinating to me that every human being, that the way God had designed us, right, the way God created us, is that He actually created us with the ability to sing, that He gave us what we call vocal cords, He gave us a brain that can put tunes together. He gave us hands that could put instruments together. He gave us fingers so that we can put it on a string and then hit the string and somehow it makes a beautiful sound or not, right? But we have this amazing gift, ability, and you and I had nothing to do with that creative process. When I was in my mother's womb, I did not ask God, God, can you make sure I have a vocal cord because I would love to sing in my life. You probably didn't do that either. None of us had that, uh, that part of, uh, of, of singing and making melodies and rhythms and, and making music. None of us asked God to put the God just in his creative design, in his love, in thinking about relationship with us. 
He just designed that for all of humanity so that you and I actually have this ability to sing. So that no matter what language you speak, no matter what motherland you're from, no matter what part of the world you're from, what country you're in, you're going to find that people all over the world sing. That singing is something that no matter what language you speak, singing is almost this language of itself that actually everyone in the world can, can, um, can relate to. It brings people together. Every country, every tribe, every people group, you're going to notice something about them. They all have their song that they sing that is unique to them. Every country has songs that they sing that defines who they are, and it's not meant for them to sing kind of in the bathroom in the shower by themselves, but they're meant to be sung together as, as the assembly of the tribe or the assembly as the people of this country under the banner of that flag. We sing these songs because it defines who we are. There's something special about singing, right? I was born in Korea. I came to the States when I was two, so I have, a, I have a bit of Korean culture and American culture. I'm very torn when U.S. plays Korea in soccer. Like, I don't know, like, it's a win-win for me. But, but for me, I, I actually do enjoy a lot of my Korean culture. I still remember songs that my mom and dad would teach me as a kid in, in Korean. I, so I know Korean songs, and there's times when I would try to teach it to my own son. There's songs that I know in English that I would try to teach to my son. And so every culture has these songs that are sung together. And I find it so fascinating that God designed it that way. You ever think about that? Like, why, yeah, why did God give us vocal cords? Why did, why did God give that person the ability to play the piano and the guitar and the cello and the uh, whatever, the, the, the djembe and the drums? Why did God give them that particular talent and gift? Like, why did God put inside of our, our brain uh, ability to, to, to understand tune and melody and rhythm? Like how, how is, like, how did that happen? Why did that happen? You ever think about that? See, God designed us to be a people that actually sing. Today, we're going to look at Scripture and especially Psalm chapter 96, and we're going to look at why we actually sing, though, because we don't just sing because, you know, we're, we're designed that way, but God designed it for us, the ability to sing, but there's also these, these reasons that we have to put in front of us so that we know why we actually sing. And, and there's probably no better book. It's not the only book, but probably no better book than the book of Psalms in the Bible. It's right in the middle of the Bible, but it's also this, this psalm in the Hebrew. That word actually means songs of praise. That book literally means, when you say psalms, you're saying songs of praise in Hebrew. It, commentaries and scholars would say that psalms is a, a literature of worship. It's a literature not just of words, but it's actually a literature of songs. That, that psalms are actually this collection of songs that were sung. Uh, in fact, you read the Gospels and, and Jesus, did you guys know that Jesus actually sang? In the la at the Last Supper with his disciples, he sang hymns, and yet they actually probably sung some of the psalms. So psalms, it kind of has two functions. 
One, one is to help the church to see the kind of songs that were sung throughout time, helps us to see all the kind of seasons that the psalmists are going through in life and all these reasons why we have to sing. But the other function is that as you're reading these collection of songs, you're going to find that it actually is inviting you. It's actually drawing you to sing even yourself. It's calling the church. It's calling church of the beloved to sing. And so I see the Psalms as this invocation to sing. As I'm reading the songs, it's compelling me to sing. Does that make sense? That's what the Psalms do. And so Psalm 96 for us is, is an invocation for us as a church to sing. And I think it's important for us to know why, right? I think, um, you know, I think uh, when it comes to singing in the church, I, I think we, for the most part, we, we find ourselves just kind of accepting it. You know, wh- whether we've been in the church for a long time or this, this is something new to us, we come to the church and, you know, for the first 10, 15 minutes, and a lot of churches, it's either like a third of the service or even up to like half of the service. So it's an important part of the service. And we come in and, you know, no one really challenges it. No, no one's really said to me, you know, Pastor James, I, I think we should just not do the singing portion of the service. It's just not important. Like, no one's ever challenged me on that, you know. And, and no one's ever said, you know, th- this is a complete waste of time, right? And no one's really that resistance with, sing- with singing. I think a lot of times, though, we come to church and we kind of, we either participate or don't, but we come into church and it's just accepted because we think, oh, it's just a tradition, it's just a tradition that the church has. It's just a tradition that the Christians do. They just sing, and so we're not going to fight against 2,000 years of church tradition. And we think that's the reason why we sing, which is not. We're not here to keep a tradition. But there is something beautiful yet traditional about singing, but it's not the reason why we sing. Sometimes I think we come into church and we, we maybe participate or not because of just the way it feels. And maybe you're like, I, I actually, maybe for some of you, like church uh, singing portion is your favorite time of church. Maybe it's your favorite portion or element of the church service. It's like right up there with like offering, right? Like you love the singing and the offering and then it's like the sermon. But, you know, some of, some of you guys, maybe you love it, right? It's that one time where you maybe like, you know, you, you, if you think about it, it's the one time where you get to sing in public, even maybe to strangers nearby, like people that you don't even know, and they're not telling you to be quiet. Does that ever happen to you? Like, it happens to me all the time at home. Like, you ever sing, like, at home, and then, like, someone tells you, to, hey, you should stop. Like, my, my son tells me to stop, right? <laughs> and, and so I don't know if that happens to you, but sometimes I can't even sing freely even in my own home, and I understand why. But like church is the one time where you could come and and no one's telling you to be quiet. We're not trying to give you a microphone to everybody, but no one's going to tell you, hey, you need to to lower that volume. You know what I mean? Like, in fact, if anything, we're trying to encourage you to sing loud and sing louder. So it's awesome. Maybe it's enjoyable because you just love music. Or, or maybe for you, you, we, we, you just accept singing and you, you enjoy it because for some reason, like when you do it, you just somehow feel more closer to God. You feel like God is more present. Or we feel like if we sing, then somehow we can actually get something more from God. You ever been there before? Where you think, if I just sing louder, somehow it'll please God more. 
If I'm just more passionate, if I can just raise my hands, and then, then, then sure, then God would be more pleased with me. Somehow I, I want God's more, uh, uh, more ple- pleasure more or his blessings more. And so we, we say, maybe if I sing, we'll get that. And these are all not the reasons why we sing. There's three things that I think are, are here from Scripture, from Psalm 96, that I think point us to why we actually sing in the church, why this is such a valuable thing that no matter what church you go to, no matter what church or co- uh, uh, country you're in, or if you go to a church, you're going to find a, a people that sing. Here's why. Number one is this, and these aren't like, these aren't like, whoa, I've never heard. These are all things that we've heard and maybe, but I just want to bring it to the forefront of your life and to the forefront of your heart, and I want to bring it to your attention so that when we do gather, we know, man, this is why we sing. So here's number one. The first reason why we sing is because worship or singing is a response to God. It's an act of worship, a response to God. It's not initiating something from God. So when we come to God and we sing, it's not as if we're trying to initiate something to fall from heaven. We're actually responding to God who 2,000 years ago already sent his son from heaven to earth. And so when we come and sing, it's not to say, you know, we're trying to initiate an environment. It's not to initiate some kind of atmosphere. It's not to say, if I sing, if we sing, then somehow blessings would flow. It's not to get more from God. It's to say, God is already enough. And to say, I'm going to respond to who he already is and what he's already done. I'm being invited to a response. That's what worship is. It's a response. It's an act of worship, thanksgiving, adoration to who he is, his character, his, the, the works of his hands that we had no part in. That's what makes him beautiful. That despite us, he sent his son for us. So that's why it says, sing of his salvation from day to day. We did all the singing God did all the saving. So my job is just to respond and not to initiate. God is inviting us to sing as an act of worship, as a response to who he is. You know, a lot of times we think that praise is, and let me just tell you what praise is not, because I think we, if we're not careful, we think this is what it is, okay? Sometimes we, we come into praise and um, we, we think that praise or the singing is the warm-up before the sermon. You guys ever feel that? Like, we're going to just sing for about 10, 15 minutes because, like, we just need, like, we just woke up an hour ago. We, we just had our Phil's coffee, you know what I mean? And, or, or we maybe had one of those Sunday mornings where you, you know, like, if you're married, maybe you bickered with your spouse and you came into church kind of grumpy, you know what I mean? Like, not all that prepared and, and not feeling all that right. And so maybe worship is a time where we just need a little buffer, you know what I'm talking about? Just, just some, a few songs, just to get us in the right mood or whatever, just to get our hearts right. Maybe we, our hearts are hardened. And so maybe some songs to kind of soften that up, maybe to water it so that when the preaching comes, now we're ready. And I'm telling you, singing is not the warm-up to the preaching of the Word. Singing and scripture actually go together they go hand in hand they work together not not one so that we can it can lead to the other does that make sense singing uh, is not the warm-up before the sermon you can say amen that's okay singing also is not the grace period to be late to the service 
and I'm not pointing fingers because that's me. I don't preach all the time. I don't preach every Sunday. I haven't, I haven't been a pastor all my life, right? There are some Sundays that I get off. And, 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 uh, even in my uh, previous church in California, when my wife and I would get Sundays off, we would love to visit other churches, a friend's church, um, maybe a church that I would love to learn from and how they do things. And so we would go. And, and I remember just times when we're late to a service. And I'm not preaching. And so we're just we're looking for parking or whatever. We're just, we're just you know, uh, lingering and we're, we're late. I remember catching myself one time telling my wife, you know, we're late, but it's okay because they're still singing. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like this acceptable grace period where we're just like, all right, this is the time where just people trickle in. And the praise team for the whole week has been praying and thinking through songs, right? Like Jordan, I'm sure I just didn't pop it up this morning out of the microwave. I'm sure it's been brewing and it's, it's been in his heart this whole week. I've been thinking about you guys. And, but somehow we've, we've, we've made the singing as a grace period where people can it's, it just come in a little bit late as long as they're there for the preaching. Because when they're preaching, it's weird to come in late because everybody sees you. You know, my last church, we had this tradition where we turn off the lights like it's completely dark where you guys are sitting and only the stage is lit up. You guys know churches like that? And so that even makes it worse because, like, we don't even know when people come. All of a sudden, when the lights are on, everyone's there. And they just act like they were there the whole time. It's like, bro, you don't even know the first song we sang, right? You don't know, right? But it's like we just make it this time. We just kind of cruise in. And as long as you get there before the sermon, that's okay. Singing is so important. It's not the time just to come in before the preaching. Singing is so important that every church around the world is still doing it. Singing is so important to God. It's mentioned uh, 400 times in Scripture. It's commanded 50 times in Scripture. It, this is not a suggestion. God is not writing this for us so that, hey, here's how to fill up an hour of service time. Just sing for 30 minutes. That, that, that'll do it. He's not suggesting singing to fill time or to get people to come in or or, or to make it enjoyable, or just to make it fun for fun's sake. Singing was a command. It's something God had wired us and designed us, created us to do. Singing is such a crucial part of our service. Just like national anthems that countries have that sing together in one voice, defining who they are as a people, that's what singing is like for us. We gather and it defines who we are. It's about who we are as the people of God. It's communal, not individualistic. It's together, one voice, expressing in one voice a response to the revelation of who God is. I have this old classic book, that I've had for probably 20 years now. It's a book called Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. He talks about some of the things that we do uh, that, that grow our faith and our walk with Jesus. And he talks about why we do certain things. He talks about why do we fast? Why do we meditate? Why do we pray? Why do we study scripture? There's a portion on worship and singing. He says that singing and worship is the human response to the divine initiative. It's a human response to the divine initiative. It's God has already done something. God is already something. And we're invited to respond to that. 
So Psalm 96 begins like this. Oh, sing to the Lord. Oh, sing to the Lord. Sing to the Lord. It mentions it three times. Sing to the Lord. Because it doesn't begin with us. It begins with God. Singing doesn't begin with what we need from God. It doesn't begin with how we feel with God. It doesn't begin with what we want from God. It begins with God. It begins with who He is. It begins with what He's done. Sing to the Lord. Notice that, sing to the Lord. It, the psalmist doesn't say, you know, now you should be singers. It says, no, sing to the Lord. It's already assuming that we sing. What changes as we become believers is who we sing and what we sing. You see, you, you notice that as a kid that we, were, we grew up singing something, whether it's in the church, whether it's in your home, maybe, maybe it's through school, but definitely through also the secular mainstream, just media and through songs on the radio, whatever it may be, the latest hits, MTV, VH1, whatever it is. And you, you, we grow up listening to songs and we grew up as a, as a singing people, some good, some may not, maybe not, but but we grew up as a people that sing, that love music, that love to express. And what the psalmist is saying is when you have understood salvation, when you've understood who God is, what changes is not that you become singers. It's that now you sing to the Lord. It's what, what we sing and who we sing to is what changes. It's a response to who God is. A scholar, uh, when I was in seminary, um, that I came across was a guy named Gordon Fee. And he has this quote. He says, the focus is not so much on our attitude toward God as we sing, but on our, our awareness of his attitude toward us. In other words, we sing to God with an awareness of his gracious action in our lives. And it's our standing on grace that makes such singing come from the heart. He's saying, he's saying what makes singing so powerful is the awareness of God's attitude toward us. And so then we simply respond. We don't initiate to get this attitude of God. We don't initiate to get this pleasure from God. God already delights in us, and this is a way for us to delight in Him. And I realize that response has to be taught. And I learned this not as a, not as a single or even as a married person, but I learned this as a parent. I learned that as a parent, you have to teach your kids how to respond properly. Did you know that? Right? The, you, and, and response is important in society. If you want to have a, a flourishing uh, uh, relationship in society, if you want to be able to function in society, you got to know how to respond properly. Like if someone says hello and you say thank you, like you're going to be weird. You're, like you're, that's, that's, that's not going to go well with you, right? But as a kid... Someone taught you how to respond properly. And so, I, you know, with my son Benjamin, I realized that, that it didn't come natural to him. When someone would say, hi, Benjamin, he would oftentimes just look and stare at him. I'm like, dude, that's not, that's not what you're supposed to do, man. Like, don't you know? And I, I remember, like, just teaching him, Benjamin, like, and the other person's there. Benjamin, they just said hello. When someone says hello, you say Hello. When someone, Benjamin, when someone says thank you, you say, you're welcome. Benjamin, when someone gives you something, you say, thank you. There's times when he would get something and he would just say yay and run off. I'm like, no, 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 come back. There's a response. 
Benjamin, when someone gives you candy full of sugar, you say, no, thank you. <laughs> you ask, where's the vegetables? But there is a response that I realized I had to teach my own son because response often doesn't come naturally. Response is taught. You teach kids to maturity how to respond properly. Does that make sense? What Psalm 96 is doing and much of the Psalms is doing for us is teaching us as we are on our way toward maturity, it's teaching us how to respond. It's saying, no, 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 when you have seen the beauty and the majesty of God, when you see that God made the heavens, when you go out and you see that sun, which will Six, maybe six months from it, come out. When you see the sun, when you see the snow, fall, when you see the mountains, when you see the water, when you see the heavens and the earth, when you see God, when you see the cross, the Psalms are saying, your response, one of them is sing. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord. Bless his name. Sing to the Lord. Declare his salvation from day to day. Sing to the Lord and sing it amongst the nations. And Psalms is teaching us how to respond. And one of the responses by singing. I thought of this analogy. I thought, you know, what, what would it be like if there was a husband and a wife? And I'm just going to, just for an analogy's sake, you know, there is no perfect husband. Um, but if there was a perfect husband, right? And let's, let's say for the, the entirety of, someone, of that person's marriage, for 50, 60, 70, 80, however many years, let's just say that there was a husband that was so faithful, incredibly, there was not a day when that husband was not faithful, always unconditionally, consistently, sacrificial, generous, selfless, always adoring, always lifting up, whenever the, the wife or the bride was sick, taking care of her, whenever any trash was in, uh, take, need to be taken out before she even said those words, take out the trash, he's already done it, right? Before, uh, um, before things get messy in the house, all the laundry is already in the hamper. Like, like she doesn't have to complain one bit. He's just a perfect husband, flawless, always taking care, always protecting her from harm, always making sure she's number one, right? Some of you guys are like thinking about The Bachelor right now, and, but, right? Imagine like if there was a husband like that, imagine what kind of response that bride would have. That bride would have an incredible response, an incredible outstanding expression of how much she's blessed to have a husband and a groom like that. You know, what would be weird is, like, is, is if she, she never expressed it, if she never said thank you, if she's never verbalized it. That would be weird if, if, she, if you asked her, hey, why don't you ever express that? Have you ever told him that you're thankful, that, that you, you are you're blessed and you're, 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 you're deeply uh, appreciative? Like what, if, like what if she never said that? And you ask her, why, why don't you ever say that? And what if she said this? What if she said, well, as long as I know it on the inside, isn't that enough? Is that enough? As long as she knows it on the inside, that's enough? Or what if she said, like, just, there's just some days I don't feel like it? Like when I teach Benjamin to say proper response, like when he gets blessed with the gift, I don't say, Benjamin, only say thank you when you feel like it. I say thank you because it's the proper response to what just happened. You know what I mean? And I think oftentimes we've 
let our feelings maybe lead when feelings should just follow. And so when we come and we sing, it's not to initiate. It's not because we're feeling it. It's not because I like that song, which could happen. It's because it's a proper response, an act of worship to what just happened in our history and in our lives. It's a response to who God is and and what he's done. It's a response. Number two is this. We sing as a church. We sing as a people so that we can actually remember. We can remember what it is that we sing about. We, we, we remember the gospel that we have. We remember who God is because we forget. We remember who we are because we forget. We remember whose we are because we forget. We remember why we sing in the first place because we as people forget too often. We come and as we sing, because singing is made up of words, it's descriptive in nature. It tells a story. It has a narrative. It has a point. And so when we sing, these words are actually doing some discipleship and formation in our own lives. It's causing us to remember as we sing. We're like, that's why I sing. Even today as we're singing Light of the World. Light of the World, right? Like he humbly came to us. What was the words? Light of the World. Step down into darkness. Sometimes we, as we're singing that, there's times in my life when I said, amen. How often I forgot that he came into darkness. How often I forget that he's the light of the world. How often I forget that he's worthy of my praise. So as we're singing, those words are discipling. Those words are formative. Those words are changing me. Those words are helping me remember. Those words are sticking with me. Songs have an ability to stick with us. It has an ability to have words stick with us. You guys ever notice how songs stick? You guys ever said, man, that song stuck with me? Or you got that song stuck in my head? You ever said that before? Okay, just one person, all right. That doesn't, doesn't ever happen to you guys? Last, last week, I, I preached at other campuses, and I, I shared this song. As we talked about scripture, I, I shared this song that my son taught me. It's called uh, the B-I-B-L-E. You guys know the song? The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. And I, 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 uh, I taught that song to the other campuses as, as a way of saying, you know, let's, let's make the Bible the book for us, right? The B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E, right? And now that song stuck with you. <laughs> and But that song has been stuck with me for a month, guys. Pray for me. Because my son randomly sang it one day. I didn't teach him because I didn't grow up in the church as a kid. And I'm like, Benjamin, what are you singing? And he's like teaching me these songs. And he, like, he, he, had, he had like this accent though and he mumbled some words. So I had to look it up. And I'm like, man, this is a beautiful song. <laughs> and now that song's been stuck with me, but it's helping me to remember those words. Does that make sense? And what singing does for us as a church is it forms us because it helps us remember certain words about who God is and what he's done. In other words, Colossians 3, 16 says it like this. Let the word of Christ dwell 
in you richly, meaning let it stick with you, let it be imprinted in you, dwell with you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. It doesn't say memorizing scripture. It says in singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. I, there, the, what the, the, the writer of, the, of Colossians is saying is that there is a connection between singing and the word dwelling, that when you sing, the word dwells. When you sing, the word of Christ dwells. In our singing, we're reminded of, again of why we sing and the message of Christ dwells as we sing. And so, because we're not just singing to God, we're singing about God. There's a description. And so to help us understand that and the gospel to restick and remain and dwell, we sing songs. It helps us. And so in that sense, what Colossians 3.16 is saying is, it's not saying individuals just sing by yourself. It's calling the church to sing together because as we're singing together, it's helping us as a whole remember why we sing. So when we come and sing as a church, it's not Jesus and me time. It's not like I'm just give me 10 minutes or so I'm just going to sing some songs to God. But when we come together, we're going to sing the same song and we're going to sing it in one voice because I need to be reminded again of why we sing because the brother and sister next to me might need help in remembering why it is that we sing. When we sing, we sing to God, but we also sing to one another. It encourages us. It spurs us. It lifts us up. It strengthens the body of Christ. It helps us remember why we gathered in the first place helps us remember. But we're not just singing to God, and we're not just singing to one another. Psalm 96, um, verse 3 says, declare his glory among the nations, among the nations, among all the peoples. We're not just singing to God, we're not just singing to one another, we're singing to all nations. We're singing to the world. In other words, in our singing, in our declaration, in singing the gospel, we're not just edifying the body of Christ, we're evangelizing to those that are not in the body of Christ yet. We're, we're declaring to the world, we're declaring to the nations. There's a proclamation that when, when we're singing, we're not just singing because like of what God has just done for me. We're singing as a proclamation of what God has done for all the nations, for the world. We're actually singing and we're evangelizing through our songs. Mike Cosper, who's a pastor worship leader, he, he says that we aren't just singers of songs, but we are heralds of good news. And what, what he means by that is, is that we as a congregation, a congregation is just as responsible to sing the gospel as much as the preacher is to preach it. So when we evangelize, it's not just through saying it. We actually evangelize among all nations, among all peoples, through our singing. And it's meant to be public. It's meant to be a declaration. We're singing to God. We're singing to one another and we're singing to all nations, helping us and helping the world remember of why we sing in the first place. But last but not least, we not only sing so that we can respond or remember, we sing so that we can rejoice. And I love this because the way God has designed your relationship, my relationship with Him is not one of burden, it's one of blessing. 
It's not one of dryness. It's one of rejoicing. God has designed a relationship with him to be one that is full of joy. That doesn't mean that every circumstance is going to be great, but it means that despite our circumstance, there, we are anchored in joy and there's rejoicing. Why? Because our joy is anchored not on something that fluctuates, not on man-made creation, but our joy is anchored in the unchanging character and love of God. Our joy is anchored there, and so he designed us to sing so that our affections can be stirred, so that our emotions can be in it, so that we can rejoice, so that we can express, so that we can be joyful in our relationship with God. God designed singing to be a time of rejoicing. In fact, Zephaniah says that God delights over you, that he rejoices over you with singing. And singing, when you look at it in the Bible, it's mentioned over 200 times, and oftentimes you're going to find something about singing. God designed singing so that we can rejoice in Him. Rejoicing can be with and full of emotion, but rejoicing can be not just with emotion, but what we know and what we believe. See, I think oftentimes we come into church, and if you're anything like me, you know, just, just normal human being. If you're anything like me, what you and I know is that sometimes we come into church and we just don't feel like singing. You don't have to raise your hand, but I, but I know you and I have been there before. Can I tell you, can I confess that as a pastor, like, I don't feel like singing every Sunday. There's times when I just don't. And what I'm remembering and what I'm reminded of in, in the Psalms is that my singing is a response. My singing is not meant to be led by my emotions, but my emotions are to follow my singing. Sometimes we say, I just don't sing because I don't feel it. And I just want to sympathize with you because I know what that's like. Maybe because you've had a hard week or a hard season. Maybe you're in a difficult time in your life. Maybe there's a lot of doubts, there's a lot of fear, a lot of questions. And I just want to say, when it comes to singing, don't let what you feel take the lead. Let your feelings come if they come, but don't let them lead. See, I think so, so much of our understanding of singing is flipped. Like, have you ever wondered, maybe, maybe it's not that you don't sing because you don't feel, but maybe we flip those around and maybe we don't feel because we don't sing. You guys see that? Maybe we don't feel because we don't sing. So maybe in our singing, maybe God does something wonderful in his timing, or in our singing, God allows our feelings to come. God allows our affections to follow. God never meant our singing to be led by our emotions. We sing not because of what we feel. We sing because of what we know is true and what we believe is true. So it takes what singing does is it, it rejoices us because it takes what we believe in our heads and then it begins to bring it down to our hearts. You know, if, if faith were like a muscle, I think singing is one of those exercises that actually increases and builds our faith, right? And feeling is not something that should lead us. 
I think feelings will become the byproduct of our singing when we sing in response to who God is. When we remember the work of salvation that I did all the sinning, God did all the saving, and that in itself is deserving of all of my praise. When we see that, I think it will lead us to rejoicing that even though I never felt it when I first got here, in my singing, in my singing, I begin to feel it because God is doing this work in me and changing me as I sing. A pastor once said, that worship is first and foremost for his benefit, not ours. Though it is marvelous to discover that in giving him pleasure, we ourselves enter into what can become our richest and most wholesome experience in this life. And I love that. What he's saying is that, that worship is not, was not for us. It's meant for God. But God is so good and so gracious that in, even in singing to God and for God and for the nations, that God allows us to rejoice because we remember who he is and what he's done. I want to close with this thought. Psalm 96 says, Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. There's a longing here in the psalm. When this psalm was written, salvation was not to all nations. Salvation belonged to the Jews. And, and salvation here in the psalm is talking about just kind of these victories that they would experience from one victory to another. But there's a longing here that salvation would be to the ends of the earth, that salvation would be amongst for all people. And so what happens in, in singing is that we remember that 2,000 years ago, God sent his only son. And when Jesus came, what we find is Psalm 96 and the longing of Psalm 96 has been fulfilled in Jesus because when Jesus came, now salvation has come to all nations. And so now when we sing, we sing of the fulfilled work and promise of God that God has called all people to himself, that he doesn't just love the Jews, but he loves the Gentile, that he has brought salvation to all people. It's good news of great joy. And so when we sing, we respond. When we sing, we remember his salvation and when we sing we rejoice and so church of the beloved i pray and hope that we as a church can have a redeemed view of singing that when we come together and we sing whether it's before or after anytime we sing that we have a deeper meaningful vision of why we sing so church of the beloved let's sing to the lord let's sing to the lord let's sing to the lord would you pray with me?